Hello, we are back for part two of our season recap. And again, on our Todd show is on, and this is Double Stack F1 podcast uh, for you guys. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the year, so I reckon today we can uh, wrap this up and uh, start thinking about what happens next year. Uh, in between, when we recorded this first part of this um, series, we got the announcement for the release of the Ferrari's car, I think February 13th, that wasn't included in the first one. Uh, today, this afternoon, we heard uh, Williams is launching on February 5th. It's a Monday here in New York City, so it will be interesting to see can sneak our way in there or if somebody from Williams can send me an invite. I uh, would love to be there. Uh, but uh, yeah, before uh, before we dive in, let's catch up with Shai, see how he's been up to this past week. Uh, yeah. Uh, hello, everybody. Nothing much. I haven't been doing anything this, uh, this past week, I would say. Just chipping away on uh, all the leftover TV series. <laughs> Are you still watching racing shows or i know last time we spoke you said russian a few other stuff were yeah we're going so, on replay yep. i discovered this other movie on disney plus the art of racing in rain so that was actually really good uh it had the concepts of racing and then also the sentimental element of a person to his dog and then how they put it into the uh, entire storyline it was quite moving the entire movie itself. Give it a watch. It's on Disney Plus. Is it about racing cars? Really? I saw that. I saw the 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 flyer for this thing a couple years ago, and there was a dog and a guy in the car. I remember the guy was from like Gossip Girls, or like he was from that movie where he's a criminal, he's like a murderer or something. Yeah, I remember the face. I'm like, this guy doesn't look like a racer, so I'm not gonna get involved with this activity. So I passed on it. So are you saying it's worthwhile? Yeah, because uh, it's it's more of a movie from the dog's perspective or the dog is narrator in here. Uh, and then it talks about the highs and lows of uh, the guy pursuing a motorsport uh, career and then uh, how the dog misses him at certain instincts and how it grew up with him as he was progressing in his career. Nice. And, and different instances within his life and how they all impacted his uh, racing career and stuff like that. All right, sounds sounds interesting. From a dog's perspective, is where you got me there. Yeah. Uh, I'll be curious to see how that plays out and how that's na- uh, narrated. Because um, I don't speak dog language, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, not kidding, really. Um, let's uh, let's dive in. We have next here. We have a few more uh, teams to go through. We'll we'll go through McLaren today, Aston Martin, Alpine, Williams. Uh, AlphaTauri-ish and uh, Alfa Romeo, then last but not least, Haas. Uh, and then I know you did some some interesting analysis in terms of like ranking the top driver, the, the drivers from 1 to 20 based on their preseason expectation, uh, how they perform, the consistency, and um, and and you, 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 you'll walk us through that once we get there, but curious to, to see the results of your analysis and and see if uh i can uh we can talk to it a little bit but yeah uh as as expected we're our next up is mclaren so this was a 
this is a pretty interesting matchup after what we saw in 2022 with uh, Ricardo struggling in that car. Uh, the only consistent driver there was um, uh, Lando Norris, and he had a rookie driver. Um, Piastri, overall, I think he had a fantastic year. Um, one of the few rookies, if we account for sprints, uh, that was able to kind of take a lead of a, of a race, although it was a sprint, and see the checkered flag in front of a Red Bull. So that's that for him is five five stars right there. Performance, great performance on a new track. He's he beaten his teammate a few times, um, but in the end, uh, I think Lando Norris scored two hundred and five points, where Piastri is at ninety seven, uh, more than double uh, Piastri's uh, a rack of points there. Lando Norris finished 17 times ahead of him uh, versus five. Qualified 15 times ahead of uh, Piastri. No wins for the two of them. And uh, the, in terms of podiums, we had Lando Norris on the podium seven times and Oscar Piastri twice. Uh, in terms of best finish in a race, they both finished P2. I think Piastri finished P2. Was it? It wasn't at, at Silverstone, right? Or was it Silverstone where he finished P2? Where no. did he finish P2 again? Uh, was P2, it P2, was it Japan? J Japan? I don't know. No, that sure. was Norris, I believe. But Piastri yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't finish P2, I would say. Somewhere. I don't... I, 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 my, my, my head is still in Spa, but I'm not... I'm no, not I think it's Qatar, yeah. Qatar. Qatar, Qatar was where... Is... P2, yeah. yeah P2 right. and then P2, yeah. That was the weekend where... Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, P1 and P2. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Leto set, racked up a ton of podiums, right? Uh, and uh, But Piastri had to, had to DNF at least three times to take that into account. Mm -hmm. And Piastri yeah, versus Lando Norris once. Uh, overall, what's your take on this this pairing here and, and what we can expect from them in 23 in terms of uh, who's gonna? Who do you think will progress more, or has room to progress? Uh, likely Piastri, but uh, or what are you looking forward to uh, in terms of twenty four for these guys? Oh, I mean, uh, coming into the season, we never really know what Piastri was capable of, or it was just more of a pure gamble, given all the uh, fiasco that happened around him and the driver's seat last season, but. To say the least, Piasco has outperformed uh, everybody's expectations of what he would deliver this season as a rookie uh, driving for the first time in a McLaren car. Because all of last year, he was testing with the Alpine. As, since he was part of the Alpine, he was testing old Alpine cars. He got hold of the McLaren, which is a complete different drive. Uh, characteristics to that of any other car on the grid. Each car had its own characteristics. And to see that he was able to adapt, he still showed a good pace. He had amazing speed during qualifying. And then you could also see that there was very much uh, room for growth for him in terms of uh, race pace and tire management when it came to Sunday and uh, how he could progress on. But overall, his season uh, for this year was amazing as a rookie. And then I would say this, this is by far one of the best performances a rookie we have seen uh, over the past decade or so. Uh, given how he was able to secure podiums with the team and then also get a sprint race win uh, in his rookie season. 
uh, and actively challenge his teammate during qualifying when he was presented with a car that was capable of performing. So he's right there uh, in terms of qualifying. And then uh, next year, he'll have a great amount of uh, learning to do for Sunday. Race management. That's that's one thing there where he could improve on. And then for Lando Norris, that was business as usual, I would say. But uh, he's been really consistent this year. Uh, on Sundays, you could see that he was performing to the level that was required when he was given the, the right car. And then he was also able to extract every single uh, performance from the car. Uh, one one example would be of uh, Spain this year, Barcelona. This was before the McLaren's upgrades. So, and then the car was no pair. It was very slow. And then he managed to put P3 on the grid. And then he managed to finish respectable P6, I believe, in the race uh, after fighting with the two Mercedes who were much faster. And then qualifying has been amazing for Norris out of this year. People, we all do only remember him making mistakes uh, in qualifying because he's done them recently. But if you take a look at the overall season, he's been very consistent in terms of qualifying and in terms of race. So there are a few room for improvement as well for him as well. Uh, trying to get rid of those mistakes and try to get more comfortable with the car and try to push it. And when he's given the right car, I'm pretty sure he's going to make it count. 2024 could be the season we could see him get a taste of his win and uh, stand on the winner's podium step. He's been close this year, but didn't have the uh, the last bit of performance needed to beat the Red Bull. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, I think uh, I have to I have to caveat on that that it's a lot with all these teams that were behind in terms of uh, last last behind the Red Bull and that eventually changed the concept. What I what I'm starting to worry about is the situation I saw with the Aston Martin, where they picked up really well the initial gains that they got from the new concept. They they did, it showed gains, but ultimately keep keep on going down that rabbit hole and improving the car has has become, has, show, ha, has ended up being a bigger challenge uh, to find that extra, extra couple of attempts to close the gap on Red Bull. So I'm, 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 Still, I hope they can figure it out and that they can keep inching away and getting closer to Red Bull uh, next season. But that is the one thing I want to... It, it's not like a red bullet, uh, uh, a bullet that's going to just keep going straight and, and, and just catch up because they made a massive gain already that we should, therefore, recency bias, just expect another massive gain from, their t- from, from teams that have kind of changed concepts fundamentally. So... It's it's up to 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 the car design for twenty three. We before we we get too excited. Uh, I've learned my lesson from Aston Martin. It's just to to kind of see where the next leg of the development goes from here, and that uh, it can it can close the cap on Red Bull, and uh, that win will inevitably come. But for Piastri, yes, great season. Still room to improve in terms of race performance. Uh, but all in all. They exceeded my expectation for 2023. Um, after race one, where they were getting air pumped, uh, every every season. other pit stop, the Landon Norris made yeah. like six pit stops in race one. Oscar PSV yeah. did not finish his first yeah. race. Yeah, 
So, uh, yeah, it, their season it, didn't it, start. We, we forget, them, right? We forget that part uh, when we when we when we're when we're talking about them. Really, everybody just remembers what happened in in the tail end of the season. But this team has massively transformed their law uh, throughout the season. So yeah, great job there. Uh, yeah, um, and McLaren started off really bad uh, this season. 2023 and no looking back nobody no one would have expected them to finish where they finished and have the amount of podiums uh, i think the team management made a very strategic decision to bring in a, a larger upgrade a complete new package into austria and then uh, make sure it's 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 working right and then get a correlation with the simulation on the track off the wind tunnel to the track and then they, they usually gave him more or less the prime updates for Landon Norris given he was an experienced driver for the team uh, com when compared to PS3 was a rookie for the first time. And then eventually got the setup set. But yeah, uh, McLaren as a whole did an amazing job. Uh, they hopefully tend to stick in the same trajectory for next year and try to challenge uh, and stay there within the top five or top four teams. And see how uh, it's gonna get as we get closer, or, or as we get more into the new regulations, you would see all the teams coming closer and closer and closer uh, to each other, and then uh, it's gonna create a very tight midfield. We've already seen glimpses of that this year during the qualifying, where the entire pack was much closer than it was ever uh, last year, or even in the past five, six years at Pacific Track. So that is something uh, to look forward to next year where qualifying are going to get more exciting again. Uh, maybe at least for P2 onwards. So. Yeah, I, 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 I hate predicting now with Formula 1 because I've been, been terribly wrong uh, for the last couple of seasons. So <laughs> until I see the cars on track, um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about 24. I guess I learned my lesson the hard way last year. <laughs> but... Uh, Moving on, and I don't like to make the same mistake twice. Aston Martin. Whew. This was a pretty interesting matchup. Okay, we got one guy. It's what 42, 43, yeah. 20th season in Formula One. He's a young brother uh, to me. Uh, in a new team with a driver that's way younger, um, and. I don't know if the car the car was just after the development were from from Canada onward it just it fell apart for Lance um and he 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 struggled right and, and the points were are clear 206 points for Fernando Alonso versus 74 for Lance Stroll 18 races ahead for Fernando Alonso. 19 qualities ahead for Fernando Alonso. Eight podiums ahead for Fernando. Best finish, P2. Fernando. Best grid, P2. Fernando. Fernando. It's a clean sweep. Fernando, Fernando DNF maybe twice. Uh, whereas Stroll four times. Um, I don't know what to say. It, it's... It, at the beginning of the season, I was I was excited to see Str uh, his comeback. Uh, 
I just mean he mean Lance Stroll and how he he came back from injury and and just stepped up and was from the word go, you know, very limited uh, testing time was able to fight for. I think he got a podium or P four in the first race. Let me check my notes. No. But he he wasn't far. He was he finished uh, in race one in Bahrain. Lance Stroll finished P six, right? Behind Hamilton, uh, then then he did okay. He did okay for the very first couple races, and then fast forward to Spain and then Canada, and it was it. Fernando also let's let's be honest. Fernando took a step back in terms of being in the top three, but ultimately uh, he kept he adapted right, and that's where the experience I guess comes into play. Just Fernando's ability to to kind of adapt to a tougher car uh, versus his uh, his junior driver that just struggled uh, as soon as one the other teams started catching up, um, and then two the car development didn't go in the right direction. So yeah, all in all, disappointed about Lance I know there's several times on this podcast where we ask, when is he gonna stop? When is he wasting a seat? Uh, I still strongly believe he is, uh, but there's nothing, quote-unquote, we could do about it. Because in this sports, you need to have the money. And if the money comes from your dad, then I guess you can stick around, right? Maybe a Nepo baby. Uh, yeah. Carry on. That, that's my take there for, for Stroll. It's embarrassing, but I guess he can stick around, and he will. Yeah, more or less. Uh, but overall, Aston Martin had a great start to the season. And seeing uh, the old... Dog Alonso uh, fight in the front of the grid, getting his podiums and uh, maybe been in there uh, early on into the season. That it, it was an exciting season to see uh, Max running away with the championship, but also seeing Alonso constantly get those amazing results with that car when it was in its peak top performance. The team. Yeah, it kind of fell off from Canada onwards with some small changes in regulations uh, between the FIA and the team that they found out about, which we might be hearing during this winter break. Because you, what was it? So it's it's more or less something to do with the flex wing, the front wing, something similar to what Mercedes bought in last year, but uh, FIA said it's not legal, so they changed it out to old spec. Uh, something similar concept that Aston did bring in, but it was a little bit more flexy and then did not follow some of the regulations in terms of how you can break your airstreams more than a certain number of times. So we will be hearing about it early, later into this winter break or uh, maybe next season when it's no longer relevant because it might still be relevant for some of the teams to explore, exploit the loophole and go around whatever has happened to try to see it. Uh, and then they, they did openly come out after a few races, maybe saying that they were experimenting with their setups, which isn't true. Yeah, they, they fell into that uh, uh, loophole or that hole of uh, trying to find constant pace and upgrades, but never knew how it was performing or what was the sense of it or what the characteristics of the car were or how it behaved. But eventually they were able to cast their footing later on to the tail end of the races, the last three races, but wasn't sufficient enough for them to finish P5. In the constructors, 
seeing 20, at the beginning of 2023, they had a pretty done deal, P2, P3 in the constructors. Uh, maybe P2 if Lance Stroll was performing. Uh, but P3 was done deal given how Alonso was in there week in, week out on the podiums and in top five. Uh, and for them to finish P5, it tells the story of how a team that our performance can fall down if another team finds another massive upgrade or performance. So it's all a game of uh, precision and uh, getting the better results and getting the optimal performance uh, for you. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards here. Yes. And then when you have a battle that close between teams, your drivers uh, tend to be more urgent. Yes, because every single point, every single qualifying, every single grid start they started matters because it's millions of dollars that they're talking about at the end of the season and how if they had equal performing drivers could very much have sealed uh, P3 and McLaren even despite their upsurge uh, in performance wouldn't have caught up to them. So that is nothing yeah, no, to do. It's a shame uh, Lance Stroll started the season off with a wrist injury. But it feels like he never picked up after the first few races, uh, three, three races, and then we were expecting him to maybe match uh, Alonso or stay behind Alonso. But the gap between him and Alonso was very much uh, large than what was expected. And then he never seemed to get a better grip on the car. And then I think the last two races were where Lance Stroll was feeling slightly comfortable or maybe the second half of the season, I would say. But from Singapore onwards, after his massive shunt at Singapore, there were many speculations uh, saying his Lance Stroll is going to call it quits. Uh, did he lose determination? Uh, yeah. And the uh, shove that we all saw on TV with his trainer. But uh, he did uh, manage to uh, keep his head cool, calm uh, through those speculations and every other rumor that was going around the paddock. Tried to keep his momentum and then uh, get some good decent points at the tail end of the race at the season. Yeah. Pretty decent performance the last three races, but uh, overall a poor performance by Lance Stroll given the car he had throughout the entire season. And then when compared to Alonso, yes, I would say this the performance uh, between Stroll and Alonso was much worse than the performance when you compare Alonso to Stuffer and Don. Uh, in terms of Stuffel being able to keep up, or yeah, yeah, Stuffel mm. had a ton of, back then. The McLaren had a bunch of reliability issues, and uh, yeah, Stuffel was in and out of the garage every other session, uh, just DNFing and DQing. But uh, uh, when it came to slight performance, he was more or less within a second, uh, or within five tenths, seven tenths of Alonso given how uh, he was a rookie in that season and uh, yeah. the car was super bad. But Stroll, yeah. who has had six years uh, of per, uh, experience in Formula 1, uh, and Alonso, he could have put in at least a little bit of challenge, but never once did he challenge Alonso in any of the sessions, not even in any of the free practice or qualifying. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, he, he's got that comfort, so I don't think you'd see that uh, drive in him yeah. but uh, only time will tell how it goes on 
uh, hopefully he's able to pick back up for 2024 and yeah. learn, keep the momentum that he had at the end of the season, learn that into the winter break and uh, pick up so that the team could have a strong finish for next season. Yeah, it's true. Uh, like even in re- recent news, we heard like Leonard, the, the McLaren team was looking to get purchased by like a group of investors or like from 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 the Middle East. So there's a deal happening there to buy the entire McLaren group. So with the sport growing and like investors coming from all over the place, we had Williams with, you know, private equity in the U.S. Uh, currently, Stroll has a massive investment in the team and in uh, Aston Martin. Um, as we, as, as this sport continues to grow and investors look for to make this a profitable business uh, and, you know, we could, is that what we have to wait for to have uh, Lance Stroll step away? I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, as more investors, as the board starts asking questions of performance, as the team starts giving away many, many points or places in the, in the championship because of a driver deficit, performance deficit from one side of the garage, I think that's probably what's going to trigger a conversation here uh, in this team in terms of, does the driver that's costing us so much money and so much points, is it really worth it? Or is there other series where he can continue to race, uh, be competitive and, uh, and, you know, support the, the, the Aston Martin brand somewhere else, but not in formula one, given the scale of the, of the investment and the business opportunity that formula one, uh, is becoming. So I don't know, this is me thinking out, thinking out loud of what could potentially happen to, to eventually see Lance Stroll move on, but uh, and for the seat to be taken by a better driver, just to see Aston Martin do great. They they they, they floundered a unique opportunity this year mm-hmm. uh, to be in the top three. Uh, so just longer term, right? What do we do uh, as a if you're an investor in this team? Um, is it time to to kind of take the, t- the tougher decisions? But yeah, that well, was I, kind of my rant. Yeah. More and more, most of it is true, but I think one thing I would say when I look at it in perspective of a businessman, Lance Stroll, what's Lance Stroll's dance name again? I keep forgetting. Lawrence. Lawrence Stroll, yeah. So when I look at it from Lawrence Stroll's perspective, he really is a businessman. He bought this team dead cheap. Now the team's valuation has shot up. As a businessman, he's made his worth of money. He's just looking out there for the right deal to come through. A slight, uh, maybe a slight bias up there where he can keep most of the team and have his son race until his son can do and perform kind of thing. But purely in terms of businessman, I think when he, when Lawrence Stroll tends to see the right deal, I think the team is right now valued at around 900 million to a billion dollars. So if he does find the right uh, offer, I'm pretty sure he would be selling it. And then I think one other thing would be that the Aston Martin car manufacturing company doesn't have much say to the Aston Martin F1 team. It's uh, it's 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 just the title name in there, but those he owns the team. Yeah, the, he owns the team. <laughs> he owns the car. He owns the car company too. Yeah, he owns That's the car he owns company the and he owns the team. But there's no <laughs> share of technology and no share of information between the racing team and the car company itself. They're like completely separate entities. 
So yeah. that will be fun to see uh, if uh, he is willing to sell. Because what happens is if the F1 team's performing good, people who don't know might say that, you know what, it's associated with the F1, with the team. with the buy the car. Green company, so they're <laughs> going to buy the car. And then he finds value in the team, in the car company, and he'll sell it off. Because car company yeah. is more expensive to kind of maintain. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not even profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Both them and McLaren aren't profitable as, as car companies. So yeah, like, same thing. McLaren started, <laughs> their racing segment started breaking even since the last three years, ever since the cost gap came into effect. And McLaren mm-hmm. Racing is by far the only profit entity that they have. Their automobile group is kind of big money. So that's where we saw struggles or we saw uses of them early mm-hmm. on last year, saying that they were kind of in a fix for money and then how they sold some of their shares and how the Bahrain group that owned them already bought in an additional amount of money and stuff like that. So... Yeah, when it comes to finance and business, Formula One is a different sport. <laughs> yeah, it's juicy that way. I like it. I like I like that aspect of it. Um, next up, I like I like talking about the business part of anything, any any sports, any Actually, any trip, any anything. Yeah, it, anything that's fun. Like I think involves money. When somebody tells you it's just a sport, like I look at them and be like, without the money, you don't have a sport, man. Like just. Sit back, understand the deals, understand who are the players, what are what are their objectives, and you can understand what will happen in the sport next. Yep. You can under, read what's what's happening in the back in the boardroom. Like you have a, a pretty decent idea of the direction each team can go in, and and if there's performance ahead or if there's execution. Right? It it all boils down to would this be a good team? Would this be a uh, a well-oiled machine, a, a winning machine, right? Given the decisions they're making at a corporate level. But anyways, that's I, I digress. Uh, speaking of corporate decision, uh, we got a lot this year by from Alpine. Uh, a lot, a lot happened with this team, especially off track. I would say uh, let's keep it on track for now and talk about the two Ferraris. Uh, new driver joined the team uh, in the name. Of Pierre Gasly, Gasly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I expected him to kind of like get up to pace within the second half of the season. Uh, my my desire was for him to to kind of defeat uh, the mighty Ocon that that quote unquote beat Alonso last year uh, on countback. Uh, Alonso DNF so much in twenty two. Don't even want to bring it up, but. You know, that was enough for Ocon to claim victory. But uh, in 2023, what happened? Well, Gasly beat him by four points, 62 to 58 in terms of points out, uh, points picked up. Race ahead, 11 to 10. Quali uh, ahead, 14 for Gasly, eight for Ocon. Wins, nobody wins other than the Red Bull. Podiums, they each had a P3. Uh, two nice looking trophies too, right? Um, and then, uh, you got a caveat. Ocon didn't finish six of the races really. So that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough compare, but what goes around comes around really in this world. Uh, Karma's a sexy lady. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, that's what we got. I, I expect 24, uh, it'll continue in a similar trend. Uh, but I expect Gasly to be to pick up more. He knows the car now a little bit better. 
and uh, he 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 knows the structure of the team. He his mechanics know what he's asking for at this point a little bit better than at the start of the season. Uh, the development of the new car would take into account what he likes uh, and his feedbacks throughout the year. So I I, ex I do expect Gasly to continue this this trend of slightly outperforming or, or matching on Ocon's performance, but uh, I think it's going to get a little bit more heated uh, between the two of them in 2024 because Ocon is not going to go away with fight a fight next year, for sure. He's not going to let himself beat easily. So that's my take here. Oh, yeah, the French team with two French drivers in their uh, <laughs> season uh, with a whole bunch of uh, French politics going in the background. Oh, so gosh. yeah, that that it was a good season, or it was a it's an average season for Alpine. They were too fast for the back of the grid, and too slow to catch up to the front of the grid. So they were stuck in the middle, uh, in the middle of nowhere, no man's land, no man's land, uh, with both drivers surprisingly getting a podium each, which was good. I think Ocon got his podium in uh, Monaco, Monaco baby, yeah. and uh, that was <laughs> a good race, yeah. And Gasly in Netherlands, another chaotic race. So, you know, yeah. chaotic races uh, tend to bring up podiums for them, which is good. Uh, that's what the drivers were in there. Overall, as the year went in, there were a lot of issues that we were seeing on track in terms of strategy-wise between the two drivers. And the team uh, kind of hesitant to figure out prime strategy for both drivers. Sometimes one of the drivers randomly ended up getting the short stick. Uh, despite them uh, having a debrief before the race, saying "Let's not do that." So Suzuka, <laughs> I'm I'm still crying from Suzuka, man. It was it was a tough one to hear on the radio. You know, it was. Uh, the same uh, thing with Vegas too. Like, why did he get the prime strategy when he started <laughs> at the end of the grid, and I getting uh, the that strategy when I started early or up front, a little ahead of him. That was Gasly to the team. And Alcon got the prime strategy starting uh, in P16 in Las Vegas. But yeah. uh, Pierre Gasly adapted really good to the team. He's uh, getting in there his first season with the team. Was good with the podium. Finished up good as well with the season. Coding good chunk of points. Giving the team yeah. uh, their P6. And uh, we are looking forward to another 100 race program planned from the Alpine team and the new management to see where they're going to be next year. But I don't expect them to make any huge leaps. It's uh, I think overall, just looking at their performance overall this season, they are lacking. And uh, with how they were uh, protesting to the FIA for uh, kind of uh, equalizing all the engines, and then to give a given engine lock, which I did not agree to because given how Alpine's engine was, or the engine provided Renault for the Alpine team was behind uh, and lacking performance when compared to the other five, uh, in other three engines that we had in the sport. So uh, that, that was one of the major hindrances aerodynamically. Their car seems to be good. They didn't bring in a good, a good amount of upgrades that helped both the drivers adjust and control the cars to their liking, which was good because this was Gasly's first season and he was comfortable with the car. We didn't see him complain too much on how much, how bad the car was in a weekend. It was just more or less him complaining about the strategies and not just the car, not just the car. 
So that is good. Uh, hopefully they find some good performance during this winter break. My prediction for next year, I don't see them progressing too much. They'll stay more or less where they are, 5-6. Uh, given how the teams around them have been uh, getting massive massive progress uh, in the wind tunnels. If Alpine is to find that, it will be really good for me. I mean, I would I would very much want to be proven wrong, saying that Alpine is a better team and then they, they finished higher next season. But uh, as of now, I'm putting them between P5, P6 to finish where they finished this year for next year too. Yeah, I don't think that team has. It's very. It's getting a little bit more competitive in that front end of the grid. But they have to win a break. I think they can move some stuff around in the engine for reliability's sake. Uh, no, Ocon didn't finish half of these races. Six, six races. So, and it was not nothing more like injury. It was something mechanical in in nature. Uh, so I think there's there's opportunity there for them to. Kind of take a look at the PU again for for reliability purpose. Maybe in the process make some gains there. Um, but yeah, I when I think about Gasly and the move he made to um, to this team Alpine, uh, it was it the right decision now in hindsight that we know we'll talk about AlphaTauri in and after we talk about William. But in terms of the performance of AlphaTauri at the second half of the season. Uh, the car getting better. In hindsight, would it have been better to stay at Red Bull if you were Gasly uh, and and you know take on these new parts, aerodynamic parts from Red Bull in twenty four, and ultimately be be more competitive. Uh, and then the second part of that question uh, would be what happens in twenty six once. Honda moves to uh, Aston Martin. Alfa Romeo, uh, yeah, Aston Martin. Uh, is is it a play where I, we know Yuki is going to be wanted to be to be put on board? Is a sacrificial lamb Fernando Alonso, uh, and we keep Lostro in there, um, playing the card of Fernando. You're old, time to go, um, and keep Lonstro with Yuki, hoping Lonstro can beat Yuki. Um, and that they have a competitive car. I'm thinking 10 years ahead at this point, but these are kind of the things that go to my mind when I think about Alpine, Gasly, and just kind of the web of, of moves that happen at the end of 22 and how it impacts the next couple of seasons to come. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah. True. Alpine, I think... Uh... When you take a look, yeah, given how Red Bull right now is rebanding Alphatari to no longer being a junior team, but a sister team. And uh, Pierre Gasly's sole move to another team was because he never saw any progress because he was in the junior team for far too long. And never being the number one driver, it was only about promotion to the top team. But now that they're a sister team, he might have, uh, it's a gamble again. You can never tell what's going to happen unless and until you it has happened and you look back at it. Same thing with uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Renault. He was making the progress with the team. Could have stayed, nobody saw him moving to McLaren. And then uh, same thing again goes with his move to McLaren where everybody deemed it to be the best driver pairing back then with Norris and Ricciardo. And now race-worthy proven driver and then a young driver uh, who has... Good speed, but it never just worked out. 
And one thing that I did observe with the season is no matter where these two drivers started, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly, they somehow always end up being on the track together at the same time. It's like they have magnets to each other. They're no man's land. There's only their car in that part of the track. Like the other cars yeah. are slightly slower. <laughs> the cars in front are way quicker than they are. So like, who are you gonna fight ultimately? Who who can you get in front? Who can you catch up to and actually have a decent fight with? It's it's the other one of yours of your cars, you know. So it's yes. it's, it's 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 a tough relationship there, but you know, French team, man. <laughs> A lot of people got who was it Pat Fry that that left like a a a big group of 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 of, of brains left the team uh, got forced out yes uh, and then a, a ton of investors got came in uh, they have Z- <laughs> yeah it's, I don't know what I would say yeah <laughs> yeah it's one of those where I never understood yet Zidane come in as an ambassador. He came in at the beginning of the season, never to be seen again anywhere for the rest of the season. Um, I I just don't know what's happening over there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like them, but like, I need to see them perform. You're a manufacturer. You're an engine manufacturer. You shouldn't be struggling. Like you should be, it should be in terms, you should be up there. Like one, two, three, or four. Your cars should be, in front like hopefully they make some progress next year and uh, are able to come out of the no man's land and uh, yeah. jump into the uh, front end of the grid and yeah, I, like you said aerodynamically they have a good sounding car you know and it's always been good since 2022 it was always been aerodynamically a good car just the setbacks you know and and reliability has always has 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 remained an issue for them with yep. that engine as well. Uh, but yeah, we could we could keep on trying to save the world and fix Alpine, but that's not going to happen today. Uh, Williams, ninety six percent of the points scored by one gentleman by the name of uh, Al- Alex Alba. Eighteen races ahead, quality twenty two and all. Only DNF four time, his team had DNF five time. Some incredible races by Alba, though, dude. I I get goosebumps thinking about his performance this year in a car that really had no business to be P seven or P eight or P nine, but he could just defend. Like if I if you're looking for a driver that can defend, the William was designed in a way where when Alba gets in it. He can make it do so many things. And that's where I know this guy is a great driver. He's a fantastic driver. Put him in a race-winning car now with what he knows. And OMG, will it be amazing. Let's hope this team can develop from where they are, um, where they ended this season. But everything points me in the direction of, of uncertainty. Can they do it? Or are they just going to get lapped by the teams that were slightly slower than them on the winter break? Or will they bring the new car next year that's capable of, of fighting even further up? Maybe in P6, maybe P5 in the constructors next year. I don't know, but I do wish so. And my second wish is for Sargent. 
He's got a bye for 2023 where he was considered a rookie. He does this this performance again in 24. Yeah. I think we're going to march onto the factory and, and require him to get booted out. Yeah. Because oh yeah, I love the kid, man. Like I want him to do well, but like I also want it's a it's a team. It's not this is like similar to Lonstro, like we're not here to make anybody happy. We're not here to make a country happy. We're not here to make um, a driver happy. We're here to collect points and finish and optimize the package. This is this is a sport of milli and and hundreds of seconds, thousands of seconds too. Like every single thing matters, and you can't give anything away for if you're a driver, right? So that's the kind of or a team. Yeah, so Williams this year started off with uh, a few new things in their bag. New teams principle, which uh, overall meant new leadership management. And then the rookie driver. <clears throat> and then, I mean, one thing that I would, I might, I'm just going to say it out right now, which we might see into the sport moving forward is the the amount of pay drivers that we get in the in the in series might go down eventually because uh, right now we're in the cast cost cap era so your spending is already restricted back when you had no cost cap era it was whoever had the biggest amount of money could develop more could spend more and then could get better results but now that's no longer the case so they no longer need pay drivers but they need good drivers who could get the results and the money will automatically come in so that's the kind of concept that would come into the sport moving on. And then uh, Logan Sargent, the rookie driver for the season, he got let off this year because he was a rookie and uh, he was part of the Williams Drivers Academy and then the team has been vocal saying that he's part of the Drivers Academy and he was in to the seat a year earlier than we had anticipated him to be coming in. But uh, that, uh, that doesn't mean that he has performed what he went to within the car and then next year is, is do or die kind of thing and then if he tends to keep the same amount of performance not getting any points or not actually performing and not showing the signs of growth I don't see him having that seat anymore but that's uh, one thing for Logan Sargent to focus on next year is to show signs of improvement performance consistency and growth that's what the team principal is mainly looking at in terms of how can I sustain this driver within my team? What payoff or trade-off would I get with me having him in my seat for a longer time to another driver? Because there are many young drivers in Formula 2 who are well incapable of performing much better than what Logan Sargent did. Logan Sargent, when you take a look back at his junior career, the reason for F2 wasn't that get that good of a driver too. He was a midfield driver. And uh, Alvar, Alvar, on the other hand, I mean, he's making this team his own. Uh, I think after Russell, uh, who was, we all knew that Russell was staying in the Williams just to get uh, into Mercedes eventually when Tito went. But for Alvar, that's not the case. This is his team. He's making it his team. He's working around. He's patient with the team. The team is equally patient with him in terms of extracting the results. And then I think the mutual understanding and the relationship between the team, uh, Alban and the team principal, has clicked uh, in the right part, and then they're all able to communicate 
very clearly and bring that communication onto the paper and eventually get those results out of the track. The performance is amazing. He's been very consistent this year. He's been scoring good points. He's been driving exceptionally good. And uh, this is this is one thing that we could. This is the Alban is kind of proof saying that the more number of years you have experience driving in F1, the more better you get and the more refined your skill sets becomes. And then when you take a look back at his stint in Red Bull till right now, you would say, I mean, everybody's going to agree that he's a completely different driver in terms of uh, not in differences between how he was back then to back now, but it's in terms of growth. He still has the same base characteristics, but it's more or less how much he's grown uh, since the Red Bull stint. But I think uh, Red Bull stint is behind him and behind everybody. Uh, he is right now at his best uh, in terms of everything that he's able to give to the team and then extract from the car. He's had his uh, highs and lows this year, but overall, it is a really good season. They did not expect them to be uh, performing uh, at at a, at a place where they were right now and they, where they finished. And then the constant fight, uh, fighting between team Theol. I think Netherlands was a good race for the team where they expected to be nowhere, but he was uh, he was able to extract the performance and get in good qualifying. The race was kind of a and then expected whether uh, it played a major impact and never helped the team get the results. Williams overall grade, they've made good steps under uh, the new team principal, James Wall. And then uh, eventually they'll be doing the same thing for next year. I am also slightly concerned about them getting eaten up by Alpha Tauri especially, which we'll be touching in in a second. But... Uh, hoping that they keep the same momentum and then slightly get into the no-man's field and uh, give Alpine a run for their money. Yeah, you you, you brought up AlphaTauri. Alpha if you don't mind me going straight into to talking about them for a bit. Uh, it was, I think for me, what could have been and the disaster that ensued is probably a, a good summary for this team. Uh, we had a lot of hopes at the beginning. You know, we had a Formula E world champion in the car. Uh, you were a bit, you were among the skeptics uh, about this trade. Uh, I, I was a believer that uh, we would see the young Dutch driver perform a little bit better, Nick DeVries, uh, but he was ultimately nowhere. He, he was dry, he was. I don't even know what everybody knows what he did. It, it it was it was a tough one to watch. Uh never got to grips with the car. Um uh, Yuki was delivering some some great battles on track. I think back to Saudi Arabia, like missing out on points like P eleven, P tens, you know, like Yuki was getting the best out of the worst car on the grid and his teammate was making mistakes, finding the barriers, um to a point where I believe it was it after Canada. Or something. There's rumors that that Daniel Ricardo was was getting a, a seat fit, but that was just it is what it is. He's a reserve driver. He needs to do that. Um, I think Canada was a terrible race for DeVries, really. Uh, fighting with Magnussen, that didn't end up well. Uh, they both went off track. Uh, think back to to Baku, 
he found the wall himself. Um, Think back to Miami. He go, he drives into somebody else in the back. Um, just just not not the expectation you would have from from an experienced driver. Um, but he was a rookie. At, at the end of the day, the speed of a Formula One car, these ground effect cars are completely different. Um, no prior. He had some prior experience, but you know when when also you have the heat on your back, it doesn't make life easy. Uh, and, uh, so if, if you're constantly being told you, you risk to lose your seat, you risk to lose your seat, you risk to lose your seat, no support. Uh, I think you just, you you work your way out of a drive. Right. And I think that's what happened here. We got Danny Ricardo came in. Um, he came in gun blazing pretty much race one roommate. Was it, uh, it's not Romania hungry, right? Yep. He did. Okay. Um, then we go to race two. Uh, did Dublin. he? He had a second race before, right? He had Netherlands, right? Yeah. Second and then we to went the to Netherlands. And oh, then no, and Belgium, that's, sorry, Hungary. Yeah, he did Spa. Yeah. Hungary, Belgium, and then and then he went to 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 Netherlands, where I think Nick De Vries had like set up some bananas on track for Piastri to go through, and then. Ricardo sees him and blah 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 and, and that's me speculating and lying here online. Uh but uh it did end up well for, for Danny Ricardo. Um he was out for a few races. We brought him Liam Lawson. Liam Lawson did a fantastic job, but wasn't gonna get a seat in the end. Uh this this was reserved for Danny the whole time. I think there's this love between Danny and, and uh Christian Horner there. They're pretty close. So that helps Danny a little bit. And uh, Danny got to see, right? Danny got to see. Danny's going to be back next year. But in the, in the meantime, uh, Yuki Sonoda, I think, defeated every single one of them, you know, in terms of his performance this year. Uh, did a great job. Uh, an underrated driver from my, in my perspective. He does still makes, he, he makes mistakes, but because he wants to fight, because he 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 knows he can do better. Because he he once he puts the helmet down, it's all about the team. It's all about delivering. Uh, and I think he he'll iron those kinks out. And I think as long as he sticks around, there's there's better days ahead for 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 Yuki. Um, and then yeah, Fred Stoss left. New management in 2024. Sister team, new name. Racing bull, whatever it's gonna be, yeah. Uh, but a lot of head, a lot of changes in twenty three. A lot more to come in twenty four. Basically, yeah. Uh, Yuki Sonoda. I mean, I want to start off with Yuki Sonoda. He's had a really good season. Uh, this is a growth season. He's shown uh, how much he's grown <laughs> from last year to this year, and how he was consistent and able to get that car through the finish line, get some good finds get some good racing, get some experience underneath him and understand how the car is behaving. Uh, but one other thing he might want to focus on is getting the uh, big picture. He, I think Yuki more or less, from my perspective, what I think is he kind of focuses on the short instances and not on the big picture or the long instance kind of thing. So once he gets into the game of thinking about the long picture, he would get the very much patience he needs. 
uh, and how he can probably overcome any obstacles that comes in his way during the race and then overcome those and extract even much better performance. So that is something that Yuki could work on. I think the team is constantly working on. Uh, he's had a massive improvement from where he was in his previous years to where he is today. That is a really great step for him and for the team. And then his future kind of right now is uncertain. We are not sure about how long his ties with Honda would go on. Would they stay until 2026? Or the other question that I would want to throw in is Yuki is equally in the mix for the second Red Bull seat, uh, given his performance. And then if they do see him improve and is faster on the simulator than Sergio Perez and Daniel Ricciardo, he might get a shot at that second seat. But does he consider taking that shot at the Red Bull second seat? Yeah, everybody wants to take it. And then how are his ties with Honda going to stay? Or were they, are they going to be a clause in there saying that uh, once he gets in there and once Honda's deal with Red Bull expires, Yuki's deal with Honda also expires and Yuki's on his own. So we're not sure there are many other uncertainties, but in terms of his seat, he's equally in there for the second Red Bull seat. And then a young driver uh, getting into the second Red Bull seat with along with Max Verstappen. Uh, to learn from him, I think his first season, uh, if he were to get second seat in Red Bull, he would just be learning everything that he can from Max Verstappen. And then the team was going to be patient with him as they were with Albon for at least for his first six months to a year. And then that's when he's put under the test. Uh, that was my take on Yuki. Nick DeVries, yeah, disappointing season from him. Many of them expected. Too much from him, I would say, and uh, chose to ignore uh, his past motorsport careers and how he's been performing. So that kind of came out to the. I mean, the story kind of wrote itself as to where he would be and then how he would perform within the team. He was never able to extract any sort of performance with the team uh, from the car, and then uh, just struggled overall. Uh, to come to grips with that un uncertainty of how the car was performing, made a bunch of mistakes, and then being a junior team and a uh, cost cap around how cutthroat the team is, uh, he ended up losing its seat. It's a disappointment and a shame, but I'm happy to see him uh, pick up and in other categories and race. I think he's uh, going into the endurance world as well, and then also Formula E, I believe. Yeah, I guess he'll go back to to whatever he was doing before. I I saw signs of I saw some stuff out there about going it back to Formula E. I think I don't know if it was with uh, I don't know what, what team exactly, but I know he's back in Formula Formula E now. I don't, I'm not sure about Weck, uh on my end, but wouldn't surprise me. He's a really good driver, uh, uh, and uh, just didn't work out in Formula One for him. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, Liam Lawson had a great season too. Uh, came in uh, last minute uh, in replacement for injured Daniel Ricciardo, and his first race was the chaotic Netherlands race with little to no running. The only running he's ever done was qualifying, I believe, and uh, 
straight into the race, managed to keep the car or the barriers in that difficult conditions, and then uh, nice. good finish. He did score points during his small stint uh, with AlphaTauri, performed great results. Uh, sometimes our, our club was very close to our qualifying, UK in qualifying, and was closely matching the race pace, given he had no experience with the car. Uh, much, you know, very much a major advantage for him going into next year. 2024, 2025, and see, we will very much, I think we might see Liam Lawson on the grid uh, sometime, but uh, which team is still unsure. They might always be partnerships of how he could end up going into different teams whenever needed. 2024, driver's market is going to be chaotic. I might see, I could see one or two retire, one retirement maybe for sure in 2020, end of 2024. Who's that going to be? I think maybe Kevin Matheson, I would say. Okay. I'll put uh, you on record. Yeah, yeah, on record. I would say Kevin. It's, it's, yeah, it could be Kevin Magnuson that I would see retiring. And what would trigger that? Hmm? What would trigger that? Like another underperforming Oscar? Uh, or, or him getting beat up by his teammate? Multiple. Which one is it? Him getting beat up by his teammate, maybe Haas not having the right car, and then he's been in the sport for <clears throat> for quite a long time uh, with no signs of improvement from a team's end. He, as a driver, has been performing to his capability with how the car has been performing. So I would probably guess he might take his uh, more sport career somewhere else. He did a short stint uh, last year in IMSA, with endurance and given how the world endurance is kind of shaping up to be an exciting grid he might end up being in there but that's a different story for uh kevin magnuson i would say all... we'll see where the money is too that's important for drivers in the back of the grid wherever they get better opportunities where they ultimately end up going to so one thing to look out for for alvatari next year is it's rebranding of how Red Bull has stated that Alphatari is no longer going to be considered a junior team, but more of a sister team. And their performance this year was kind of started off low early on into the season. But since their upgrades from Singapore onwards were good, and you could also hear a few other teams cry, fall over Alphatari's upgrades, saying that they were very much similar to what the Red Bull had early on the season and last year. And the partnership between uh, Red Bull and AlphaTauri is kind of the line where the draw is kind of going away and then not able for, for other teams to not differentiate. And then with this new partnership of how the AlphaTauri is moving back to Red Bull's headquarters and sharing similar facilities and the share of information and everything has to be closely managed. It's It's going to be interesting there are already signs of teams saying it is not going to be fair for a leading team to have a sister team, uh, which would help them in terms of uh, development with car with uh, in the in a cap in a cost cap era teams. Just having sister teams is a major advantage of how you could develop multiple iterations of the same part or different parts just through uh, undocumented share of information kind of thing. 
and uh, that AlphaTauri's relationship with Red Bull could could be a major game change for next season. Uh, that's something that Williams needs to be con- uh, needs to look into. Uh, need to be concerned about AlphaTauri might leapfrog over them next year, and then they might leapfrog Alpine and might touch the top three, top four teams too. And I think you would it would make a big deal once AlphaTauri's partnership with Red Bull uh, and AlphaTauri starts to threaten the top three, top four teams. That's when you would see all the teams more or less uh, come together and maybe have the put pressure on FIA to look into how the share of information is happening. Because from what I see, FIA, Mercedes and Aston Martin shared the same wind tunnel for this year's testing for 2023's car. And then uh, FIA does inspections too. And then they had major, they didn't, everything was complacent. Everybody was uh, following the rules that they were meant to follow. Aston Martin had a different set of uh, exits and entrances and no personal were meant to cross over anybody at any point of the time during the Mercedes wind tunnel usage. So uh, we'll see how it goes on with AlphaTauri and uh, Red Bull. That is something that I'm also concerned about, saying that uh, the share of parts and knowledge, and then how as AlphaTauri next year is going to be bringing in uh, Red Bull's rear suspension, which they already put in a few parts this year, with their floor, with the front wing, and their rear wing, uh, and then the suspension assembly and the brake assembly. So they'll be coming in. It's going to be a t- second Red Bull car or a third Red Bull car on the grid kind of thing, but a 2022 spec and not the updated spec. It might be the part. Well, that- they, could, they, could, they could also get parts, right? They could also get parts from 23 next year. They no. could just buy, you know how Haas can buy 23 parts from from Ferrari? For new they regulations, buy- it's 2022. Oh. Are you sure? Yeah. So it's more because when we started, when we started the cost cap in twenty two, Haas was able to buy twenty two parts because there was no other parts to buy. Haas no was developing. Yeah, other. it was. It was like kind of developing its own along with Ferrari's expertise and stuff like that. No, there's. I think there's pieces you can get from from the other team. I have to look into that. Yeah, we'll few non. Yeah, we'll see what they. I, I have to because they started taking twenty two. 23 parts this year. So I don't know what's going to restrict them from taking 24 parts, a few generic 24 parts yeah. next year at the beginning of the year as well. So it's, I think it's such a gray zone that it's going to be, it's going to be the, the, it's going to be at the center of a lot of discussion and a lot of complaints uh, next year. Uh, if the team sh- comes off the blocks, gun blazing and performing really well. So, yeah, you bring you bring up a very interesting um, point there. Um, well, want to move want to move on to Alfa Romeo. I think we have Alfa Romeo and Haas, and then go through your top your top rank of the yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, unless you want to save it, you want to save the last two in your top twenty for part three. But uh, it's up to you. It's, it's you your call. Go yeah, we can go in or we can wait for right. part three. I'm I'm all about part three. I think we. We've done another sixty minutes here today. Uh, let's save on, on this spicy Alpha Tauri topic that uh, 
that we will, <laughs> it's going to be the center of a lot next year between Alpine, between in no man's land. What do they end up in 24 between Williams uh, developing a new concept after uh, the change of, of leadership on top uh, between the pay drivers and non-pay drivers between, you know, uh, who was McLaren and continuing development there. Aston Martin continuing development. There's a lot we talked about today, uh, but there's still a little bit more we have to we'll talk about before we end this year. And uh, that'll be Alfa Romeo. I know there's Botas. There's there's the first Chinese race in 24 after a long a long hiatus. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the dynamic of Magnussen and and Hulkenberg, uh, where that can go uh, come 2024. Gunter Haas, where, where, where that partnership can go, the only American team, would that be the only American team come 26? I think there's a lot of topics if we do dive into these two teams that I think we're going to touch on. And then uh, we'll, we'll keep this the the top 20, Shaw's top 20 performance list for uh, part three. So stay tuned, be on the lookout. It'll come your way uh, fast in the, in the next couple of days. Thanks again for listening. Sha, any parting words? Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this part, too. And then uh, we'll bring you some uh, exciting storylines and topics for part three. <laughs> there are so many more yeah, storylines to explore for 2024 season. Yeah, excited. Love it. Uh, I hope this, this is like a replacement fix until the season starts. So this is kind of our way to look back and but also get excited for, for the year ahead. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in again, and uh, we'll touch base soon. Bye.